Father, I pray even now that the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is here to reveal Christ to us, will do his work through us for your glory. We are weak, but for that very reason we're strong. For your strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. We put no confidence in our flesh, but we have absolute confidence in you. Spirit of the living God, Jesus has qualified us by the shed blood to be your temple. He has removed all barriers and hindrances. You are therefore free to work in and through us and in this place today for the glory of God. Let Christ be revealed and let us be transformed from glory to glory is our prayer. And everybody in agreement says, amen. Amen, amen. Well, good to see you here today. And we spoke last week from Acts chapter 3, um, the healing of the lame man. And we promised that we're going to continue today. So we're going to keep our word. Would you please turn to Acts chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. We know the story, but I'll go ahead and with your help, let's read it together. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb, who was carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Because only some of you can read. Okay, maybe I'm not reading very well, so I'll be quiet and let you read. Verse 10, please. Amen. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms. He's no longer sitting and he's no longer begging. Something happened that day that transformed his life forever. May God, by his power and word, do something in me and you today that will transform our lives forever. In Jesus' name. We are, we are using this text to show us how God can and how God wants to use each of us, even as he used Peter and John, to bless 
and help those who we meet along the way who are suffering, who are trapped, who are in situations and circumstances, some not as a result of any fault of their own, but they are trapped and unable to escape, unable to get up from where they are. And unless they receive a touch from God, unless they receive ministry from God, unless a believer like Peter and John comes by and becomes the channel, the instrument by whom God can work, those people will remain permanently in those types of conditions. But God wants to use us. God wants to use me. God wants to use you to be instruments of transformation, vehicles through whom he can work to transform people's lives, to heal broken people, to give people the lift they need, to be all that God desires them to be. You and I can be the Peter and John of this text. You see, it was not so much Peter and John. They were simply the instruments. It was the Spirit of God working through Peter and John because of their faith in the name of Jesus that brought about this transformation. God can use you. God can use me. And, and, and there are many people that we meet as we go about our daily affairs who need this type of ministry. And if we would make ourselves available and start believing that God can use us to be a blessing to others, my goodness. Not just Peter and John, but multiply that by the, minute, by the number of people who are here. And can you imagine how many lives can be touched and blessed this week? How much more God can do for people if God can only find more of us to be willing to be used like Peter and John were? My goodness, raise your hands. Father, here I am. I want to be a channel, an instrument by whom you can work to transform lives. I want to be your representative, your faithful representative in this world. I want to be that channel that you can work through to heal broken people, to save the lost, to glorify the name of Jesus. Lord, make my life count today, tomorrow, forever. You see, this text provides Peter and John as an excellent example of how God can use you and me to glorify the name of Jesus and to minister what I'm calling his transformative grace to people who desperately need God's intervention in their lives. There's so many people who are trapped by this world system, are trapped by spiritual powers, and they cannot by themselves set themselves free. But if God can only find a John, if God can only find a Peter, if God can only find a DJ, if God can only find a Bangi, if God can only find you, that person, that life, 
could be totally and completely and forever transformed for the better. Once again, Lord, everybody say, Lord, I want to be that Peter. I want to be that John. I want to be that believer that represents you. Not just on Sunday morning when we come to church. You see, this miracle didn't happen in the temple. It happened outside of the temple. And you know what? You look at Jesus. He did some healing in the temple, but his greatest works, most of his works, were not done in the temple, in the place of worship. It was out there. As he went from place to place, he was ministering and bringing the kingdom of God to men and women. Hallelujah. I just, I heard someone was giving me a testimony Yesterday, uh, Brother Hannibal, I understand there's a group of men that meet every Saturday. You guys gather at Panera Bread. And last, yesterday you had, what, about 11 or 12 of y'all? Huh? Oh, one or two of y'all showed up yesterday. But those two showed up. But sometimes you have up to 12, I understand, okay? But they meet every Saturday. And they met at the Panera Bread, and they were encouraging one another, ministering to one another, strengthening, discussing the word. And I understand a lady overheard your conversation. And she came, and she was broken, and she needed ministry. And you had a conversation with her, and she was blessed. You know, you, you see, that happened not on Sunday morning, but at Panera Bread. Right? And that's, that's what God wants. God wants us to be available at all times to be channels. And, and when we're available, God will set up these kinds of appointments. He really will. He will set it up and, and, and we understand God has set up this thing and make ourselves available. Many of us will have powerful testimonies. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Say to, your person, to the person next to you, let it be so in your life. Become that instrument that God can work through. All right? So let's go ahead and, and describe, describe, describe this man a little bit more in detail. We know that the presenting problem is he is crippled. He was born that way. Some type of disease caused him to be born with two legs, but unable to use his legs. It was not that he did not have legs. The problem was, it wasn't that he didn't have legs. The problem was he didn't have the strength to use his legs. He was never able to use what he had. A lot of people were born with tremendous God-given abilities. It's not that they lack talent, lack skill, lack ability. The problem is they don't know how to use what they got. They lack the strength to use it, or they lack the wisdom to use it, but they have already resources that they just, for one reason or another, are not using. And sometimes the help that God will use you to give to them is just to show them what they have and encourage them to use what they have. It's not that they lack, but they don't know how. In this case, he had a disease that literally kept him physically from being able to use his legs. He was crippled. Now, you know that problems generally don't come, um, they generally come in groups. They, 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 they come as a gang. You, 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 you very seldom if ever have a problem that doesn't give birth to other problems, or problems that come by themselves. So the problem that initiated all the other problems was the fact that he couldn't walk. But because he could not walk physically, the Bible describes that he ended up living as a beggar. 
because he couldn't work. He had no ability to stand on his own feet. He could not carry his own weight. He could not support himself. He was completely dependent upon someone carrying him every day and placing him at the gate of the temple for the sole purpose of begging. So now the physical problem had produced a financial crisis in his life where he could not take care of himself and he had to depend upon people to feed him every day. But now think about it. The physical problem now has come with the financial problem, but the financial problem has come with the emotional, psychological, and social problems. Because can you imagine having to live your life not only crippled, but having to beg every day? Can you imagine having to every day look to somebody else to take care of you? To live your life now with your hands out, and if people don't do you good or do you well, don't show you mercy, you got nothing to eat? On top of that, imagine never being able to stand up. So you're always looking up to people and they're always looking down on you. I would assume that would cause for many of us some serious self-esteem problems, emotional problems, inferiority complex. I cannot walk, but because I cannot walk, I am a beggar because I, I now I have to depend completely on other people and I can never look straight at someone, they always got to look down upon me. Emotional problems, social problems, but that was not all, spiritual problems, because this man was crippled according to the religion of the Jews of that day. He was crippled because God was displeased with him. He was suffering because either the sin of his parents or his own sin. But they saw that as an indication of God's displeasure, God's judgment. And so this man was not permitted to go into the temple. That's one of the reasons he always had to sit at the gate. Because something obviously was wrong with him. So now he has the spiritual problems of feeling rejected and unaccepted and condemned, not loved by God. Wow. His case was extreme. Yet we see the transformation that took place in the story. And I believe what the Lord is doing here, I mean, God did, Jesus did a lot of miracles, a lot of stories of miracles. But God, I believe, has recorded this particular story to encourage us, to let us know that if this man, with all of these types of problems that originated from birth, can be transformed by the grace of God to the degree to which we see taking place in the story. My goodness, if that can be done for him, God is saying, you know what? I can do it for you. And I can do it through you. Because many of the people you meet will not be to this degree, trapped. But if God can do it for someone in this type of condition, listen to me, he can certainly do it for you and he can certainly do it through you. One more time, say, Lord, do it for me. And Lord, do it 
through me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, we all have areas of weakness. Physical, emotional, spiritual. All of us do to some degree. And so this man to some degree represents all of us. Things that hinder us from reaching and experiencing the fullness of life that God has for us. It could be the burden of past mistakes and the guilt that we carry. It could be the weight of unfulfilled dreams. It could be the struggles that we are facing in our relationships, in our careers. A number of things could have us today where we are experiencing bondage or limitation that we know uh, does not represent God's best and we find ourselves trapped. But let me encourage you that the same Holy Spirit and the same name of Jesus that strengthened this man can strengthen you. Are you hear me? And the same Holy Spirit and the same name of Jesus that empowered Paul, Peter, and John to bring healing to this man can empower you to be an instrument of healing and deliverance for others. I think I said this last week, but let me put you in remembrance. God can use you to bring deliverance to others while you are still dealing with your own issues. So don't feel I got to have my, all my issues solved before I can be used by God. Because you can be suffering in one area and yet be the channel that brings liberation to somebody else. When, 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 when the man looked up to Peter and John and asked, expected money, Peter said, silver and gold. I have none. I'm, I'm going to interpret that literally. Peter and John had the problem. Peter, right there, I, I suggested last week, maybe one of the reasons Peter was going to pray, <laughs> because he needed a financial breakthrough. How many of you men of God love God? You pray, you're close to God, you know God loves you, but sometimes you need a breakthrough in the area of your finances. <laughs> Amen. The point is, you and I have our own issues. Peter definitely had his own issues. He wasn't perfect. Everything wasn't perfect in Peter's life. Everything isn't perfect in my life as I preach to you. But if I'm waiting for everything to be perfect, you won't hear one sermon from me. <laughs> Brother Benson, was, we were talking yesterday. He said, Bishop, you look, you look so calm. <laughs> Say Hallelujah. <laughs> And by the grace of God, I try to walk in, 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 in God's rest, in Jesus' name. But if you think everything is perfect in Bishop's life, he has no issues, nothing he's still believing God for, nothing he's still saying, God, when are you going to change this situation, change this circumstance? You're deceived. Okay, we are men of God, but we deal with the same kinds of things that you deal with too. And we experience disappointments ourselves. And sometimes we ask God, when? Sometimes we're tempted to say, Lord, what's the benefit of serving you? 
Shanda. Amen. But thank God we're able to get look past that because we know him in the mighty name of Jesus. Say hallelujah. So Peter and John obviously had their own issues, yet they were the channels through whom this man was healed, transformed. Let God use you, even while you're dealing with your own weaknesses, even while you're struggling with your own problems, even when you're asking your own questions. When you're weak, you're strong. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Be able to say, Lord, I don't understand. I'm trusting you. I'm going to trust you in the meantime. Let me be an instrument to bring hope. Let me be an instrument to bring healing. Let me be an instrument to introduce grace in this person's life. Let me be an instrument to strengthen this person while they go through their own struggles and challenges. Hallelujah. Say, same Holy Spirit. Same faith. In Jesus' name, that strengthened this man, strengthens me. That worked through Peter and John, works through me. In Jesus' name. Say hallelujah. So Peter and John comes in, we read the story. The man is wanting some change, but God has a greater change for him than what he's asking for. All he wants is a little change to sustain him. God is going to give him a change that will transform his life. And so he looks at Peter and John, Peter and John said, Peter in particular says, hey, silver and gold, we don't have none, but I do have something. And what I have right now, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Everybody say that. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible lets us know the miracle that happened. His ankles were strengthened. His, his feet were strengthened. And he didn't just... You know, usually, I mean, can you imagine how weak his legs must have been? He never used it. It must have been really tiny. But you see the miracle. Ordinarily, you think, okay, now he needs to get up slowly and go to rehab. That, is, that would have been a miracle by itself. Even if he went to rehab and he had to learn how to walk and it took him six months, that still would have been a miracle because he had never walked before. And there are times when, when our healing is a process. There's a time when God heals us and it's not instantaneous. And if we act as though every healing from God is instantaneous, we're going to miss a lot of healings. So, you know, I say there are three ways by which we receive our healing. We receive it instantly. I call that a miracle. More often, we receive it gradually. That's a recovery process. And that requires faith, prayer, and, and natural and medical uh, uh, things can be involved as we are recovering. That's a process. And one day, all of us will receive our healing eternally. That's called resurrection. So one way or another, you're going to experience healing. Instantaneously, gradually, eternally. Say resurrection. So whatever doesn't happen in this life, God will take care of all of that in the resurrection. Every promise for healing is going to be fulfilled the day Jesus shouts and your body rises up, transform, immortal, Mortality has been swallowed up by immortality. That's going to be the greatest healing service ever. In Jesus' name. Until then, we believe God. Until then, we stand in faith. And we receive God's miracles. Sometimes instantly, often gradually. But God hears and answers prayer. 
Amen? This man was transformed. He didn't go through the normal process. Instantly he was leaping. Instantly he was walking. Instantly he had the ability to jump. My goodness. May the Lord cause us to experience many of those suddenly instantaneous miracles. Why? Because they bring him the greatest glory. Amen? They bring him the greatest glory. People take notice of that. People talk about that. And when they do so, we have an opportunity to boast about Jesus. We have an opportunity to give him glory. So may you, O oh God, work among us in mighty ways. May we experience more and more of these extreme, miraculous manifestations of your power that will cause not just church folk to talk, but that will cause the world to talk about our God. May we be instruments by whom Christ can be glorified. Say, Lord, use me as an instrument of miracles that will bring glory to Jesus. And that's ultimately our purpose, that Christ will be glorified. So as you leave this place, be bold, pray for the sick, expect God to move. And you will experience many times for the glory of Jesus, God will do extraordinary miracles through you and me. And Christ will be glorified and many will get saved because God has testified by a sign and a wonder that Jesus Christ is indeed risen Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. Raise your hands and say, Lord, here I am. Use these hands. Use my mouth. Use my body. Use me, Lord, to work miracles that will glorify Jesus. By the way, we have a healing school. Pastor, Pastor Obi, please stand. Okay, where we're teaching and helping people to have uh, to release their faith and to work with the Holy Spirit so that more and more of these miracles happen in Jesus' name. You can talk to Pastor Obi afterwards, get more information so you can get some additional training in that area. Amen? Now, this is how much time I got? Okay. This is where I want to bring us. We see what happened. Now, I want to ask the question, how did this man receive that strength? And most importantly, how did, how did Peter and John become the instruments that day? What are some elements in this story that we can learn from Peter and John, incorporate in our lives, because they will position us to be used by God more, to bring transformation to others, to bless and heal and deliver and set people free, not just from physical uh, conditions, but emotional, psychological, spiritual. There are many ways by which people can suffer. What was it? What are some key elements? And I'm going to, I think, I think there are four things there that caught my attention. So here's the first thing. Notice the Bible says Peter and John were going where? To the temple when? At the hour of prayer. Listen, those who are instruments by whom God works greatly are those who prioritize prayer. That's just a reality. If you would be used by Christ to bring transformation, to be a channel of his power, to bring life to those who are dead, to bring strength to those who are weak, to change people's lives and their circumstances, you and I have to commit and prioritize prayer. Why? Because here it is. This is a fact. Prayer is... 
the only means by which God gets involved in the affairs of men on earth. You say, why that's the case? Ask God. I don't know why he decided that be the case. I have some ideas. But ultimately, that was his decision. That if I am going to get involved in the affairs of men, if my power, especially when it comes to redemption, if my power is going to become actively involved, if my grace is going to become actively involved in men's lives, in the affairs of this earth, those who believe must pray. Hmm? So hear me. I'm saying to you, if you're not praying, you're not going to be available. God's not going to be able to do much through you. So begin to live a life of prayer. Give priority to prayer. Peter and John prioritized prayer. When they came to Jesus one day while he was on earth before his ascension, and they saw him working all of these miracles, they saw him hearing, they saw God working through him. Do you know what they, what they asked Jesus to do? They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to work miracles. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they understood the secret to his success was his prayer life. It meant not prayer doesn't mean you have to yell. Prayer means you spend time with God. In his presence, you fellowship with him, you commune with him. You meditate upon him. Are you hearing me? You listen to his still, small voice. You, 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 you meditate upon his word. You, you, you open your mouth and you talk to him about situations. You supplicate. You ask for his intervention in your life or in the lives of people. You talk to God. You spend time with God. Are you hearing me? And you can spend long time periods with God and you can spend short periods with God. The important thing is live a life of prayer. It's a good thing to begin in the morning with prayer and then to continue throughout the day with prayer and to end the day with prayer. Somebody said Jesus was always going from one prayer to another prayer. In between, he worked miracles. Prayer is critical. One, because that's the only way God is going to get involved in the affairs of men. And here's another reason, similar, the only way men will get involved with heaven and heaven's affairs on earth is by prayer. If you don't pray, you're not going to get involved with heaven's affairs on earth. If you don't pray, God is not going to get involved in your affairs. If you don't pray, you will not get involved with heaven's affairs on earth. Pray. And don't see prayer as a chore. See it as a joy. You don't have to close your eye tight and yell. If you want to do that, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we, we, we're different. We've got different personalities, right? You don't have to pray like me. I pray like you. The important thing is get in God's presence. Commune with God. Get your mind on God. Get your heart on God. Talk to him from the depths of your heart. Listen for his voice. Trust him. Agree with him. The primary role that you of prayer is for you to, to agree with God and God's will for your life, for your church, for the world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All of us need to make this a priority. Now, have your own personal prayer life, private prayer life. But Peter and John was also, this is my mic, my mic. Peter and John was also headed for the temple where they were going to gather together with other believers. 
for prayer. Come on, everybody say amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. So prayer is critical, right? All right, so that's important. So here's another thing I see. Peter and John said, say said, to the man, rise in the name of Jesus and walk. Do you know that as powerful as the name of Jesus is, that man would not have walked if they had not opened their mouth to speak. As powerful and present as the Holy Spirit was, the man would have remained in his condition for the rest of his life if Peter had not opened his mouth to speak. We've got to understand the power of words. Are you hearing me? The power of words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You and I, if we would have God work in us, God work for us, God work through us, God work in the lives of others, by us, we've got to watch what we say. We've got to watch our words. We've got to watch how we say what we say. Because our words can give life or our words can destroy Many of us today know what it means to benefit from words positively spoken to us and how we have become victims of words that kill. Some of us are still suffering today. And we know people who are still suffering today because of the words they heard, the words that were spoken to them. Those who will be channels of life and power and grace. Those who will be instruments of God to bring healing and transformation. Those who want to be instruments of God's grace must pay attention to what you say, what you say, how you say it, when you say it. Because words are the carriers of life. Or death. Let me repeat. Nothing would have happened to that man had Peter not spoken the words he spoke. If Peter had been quiet, there would have been no transformation. Or if instead of saying, look upon us, rise up and walk, Peter had said, look at you there. Hopeless man. The results would have been completely opposite. Do you understand? You're carrying death and you're carrying life in the words that you speak. Peter said, Any man, any man would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking God. Jesus, the word tells us, don't curse because you can with the same mouth that you are blessing God. Curse men. I believe it was James who said that. 
out of the same mouth should not come blessing and cursing. You are ordained by God to be a blesser. Let your words always bless people. Let your words empower them. Let your words strengthen them. Let your words help them to believe they can do what they thought they could never do. Let your words give hope. This man never thought he would ever be able to walk until he heard Peter say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. There are so many people who have given up on themselves because of their history and they'll never believe anything different is possible until you, child of God, a disciple of Christ, comes along and you speak words in the name of Jesus that gave them hope, gave them something to believe in, something to act upon, something to do that can change their circumstances forever. Am I speaking to you? Are you hearing me? We want to be instruments of transformation like Peter and John. We must pray, but then we've got, you can pray and pray and pray, and then after pray, if you speak or you don't speak, nothing happens, or you speak contrary to what you're praying. So we've got to be careful. As we speak about each other, we've got to be careful how we speak about our church. We can't be praying and then speaking negatively concerning the church. We pray God and then we say something, the church is this, the church is that, the church is that. We are negating the thing we pray for with the words we speak. Same thing with your family. You can't be praying God to move in your family, bless your family, and then every time you talk about your family, you just talk about what's bad. You wonder why your prayers don't work? Because even the name of Jesus won't do anything for anybody if the words that you speak are not words of life. So Peter didn't say, look at you, lazy man. Look at you, hopeless man. Look at you, sinner. He said, look up at us. And the reason why he said look up at us is because he knew that by looking at them, he would see Jesus. Because Peter said, look at us, because when you look at us, we're going to point you to Jesus. Not to ourselves. Hey, robo let me stop here and ask you, when people look at you, do they see Jesus? If, if, if somebody was to look at you and didn't have a Bible, if they were just to look at you, could they see Jesus just by looking at you? Could they receive a revelation just by looking at you? Are your, is your life pointing men to Christ? Or is your life pointing men to yourself, to your successes, to your achievements, to your greatness? At least the greatness you think you have. Oh, may God work in you and me individually. And may God work in our church collectively that when people see harvest, oh, 
they see Jesus. When they see harvest, they hear Jesus. Because we are all about him. Say H-I-M. You. It's all about him in you. And him in us. We exist to reveal him. Not to reveal ourselves. We exist not to make ourselves great in the eyes of men. But to allow his greatness to be seen through us. Not that men may honor and worship us, but that men may honor and worship him. Pray. Watch how and what you speak. My prayer for you and for me is that our words will always minister grace to those who hear. Let our words be seasoned with grace so that our words will always convey grace to those who hear. Some of us need to go back and apologize to some people, members of our family, our spouses, our children, our parents, our friends, whoever. Even your enemies. Because some of us would justify cursing our enemies. Jesus said, bless them all. Jesus said, bless them. Now, seriously, you cannot be a channel of grace if you don't watch what you say. If you want to release God's grace, you've got to speak grace. All right? Prayer. I see that. I see words. But there's something else I see. I see that. Watch this. Peter says to the man, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. So Peter has prayed. Peter has spoken life. Peter has used the name of, the Je of Jesus. The man hasn't moved. Nothing has changed. He's still sitting, paralyzed. He, the miracle didn't happen until Peter reached down and grabbed him and gave him that extra lift, that extra push that on one level is purely human. There was a supernatural, the prayer, there was a supernatural aspect, the name of Jesus. This miracle could never happen without prayer. It never could have happened without the name of Jesus. But it didn't happen, even after prayer, and even after the name of Jesus. This miracle, for it to be complete, required for the man, for Peter, to do something else. Seemingly very natural, very human. But Peter had to reach down grab him, use some of his own natural gifts and ability given to him by God, given to him by God for this very purpose, that he must use these natural gifts and abilities to help those. In other words, God never wants you to depend only on the supernatural ability he makes available to you. The natural ability are also his gifts. And whatever ability you have, both spiritual or natural, all come from God. 
And God wants you to be willing and able to use both the spiritual and natural resources, which all comes from him, in order to minister to others and to bring transformation in people's life. Too often, we stop with the prayer. Or we stop with the name of Jesus. Many times, the miracle, the transformation will not be complete until we take the natural gifts that God has given us and grab onto those, that person and give them that extra push. Say extra. Push. Extra. Pull. Extra. Grab. Extra. Lift. That we have the ability to provide because God gave it to us for this very purpose. Your gifts and abilities, your strength are not just for yourself. You think your ability to make money is just for you? And your family? Do you think the mind and ability God has given you to think is just for you? Hey, you think the wisdom you have acquired over the course of your life is just for you? Whatever natural or supernatural gifts and abilities, they all come from God. Because the Bible says every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And so God expects us to be channels of his grace and to be willing to use both the supernatural and the natural abilities and resources that he has given to us to deliver his blessings and his freedom and his miracles to others. Use not just your faith in the name of Jesus, Use whatever else God has put in your hand to give the helping hand that is often required to complete the miracle. So Jesus comes to the grave of Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for how many days? Jesus is about to raise the dead. He's about to say to Lazarus, come forth. And when he speaks, Lazarus is coming out. What power! No one can do this except he who is the resurrection and the life. This is something only God can do now. Hear me. A God who can raise the dead by speaking, can he not speak to a stone and say move? Can he not speak to the grave clothes and say come off? But Jesus spoke to Lazarus, the dead man, and said rise. But he turned to the men that were there and said, now you got muscles I gave you. God gave you those muscles so that you can be able to move stones. I'm not going to move the stone supernaturally because I've already given you muscles. Use those muscles and move the stone. And after Lazarus was raised but still wrapped up in clothes, Jesus said, I'm not speaking to the clothes. I gave you, forgive me, you women, you didn't have to move the stone because you don't have muscles for that. But you got enough strength to remove those grave clothes. And you know how to do it better than those men anyway. So you go ahead. I'm using my imagination, but it's my sanctified imagination. Say hallelujah. <laughs> God gave me an imagination for a purpose, right? 
So I'm using my imagination to make it clear for you. No, the point is, this is also part of the miracle. This is part of the answer to prayer. This is part of the outworking of the power of the name of Jesus. Yeah, pray, because you got to pray, because if you don't pray, God isn't going to get involved. You got to pray, because if you don't pray, you're not going to become involved with the affairs of God on earth. Pray. Speak words in the name of Jesus that release authority and power, encourage, build up, uplift. But you got to understand, often, that doesn't complete the miracle. There's something else that you have that is needed. Be willing to use that's something else to provide that extra push, that extra pull, that extra grab so that the miracle is complete. Now, Peter grabs his hand, pulls him up. And the scripture says immediately he does what? He stands up. He who had never, ever stood up is now standing up. And he begins to leap. But not just leap. He started to walk. And not just walk. He was leaping and walking and leaping and walking, and leaping, walking, and praising God. The man's life was totally, completely transformed. But hear me, now that he can stand, everybody knows where he stands. Now that he can walk, everybody knows where he's going. There's some of us who can stand. But the question is, where are you standing? With whom are you standing? Thank God most of us, if not all of us here, can walk. But now that you can walk, where are you going? Where are your feet taking you? We can see in this man, when he could stand, he took a stand for Christ. When he could stand, he took a stand with the apostles. When he could walk, he began to walk into the temple where he would praise and worship and serve his God. When he could walk, he chose who he would walk with. He walked with the apostles. He identified with them. He walked with the leaders of the church. He identified with them. He walked with devoted followers and disciples of Jesus. He identified with them. He walked with men who knew the priority of prayer and the priority of worship, who made worship and prayer first. He walked with them. He walked with men who are willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. He walked with them. He walked with men who are not ashamed to be called followers of Christ and if necessary, die for him. Once he could stand, everybody knew where he stood. Once he could walk, everybody knew with whom he walked. 
and where he walked and where he was going. My question as I bring this one in. You who have been touched by the Lord. You who have been strengthened by the Lord. You who have been saved. You who have been delivered. You who once were dead but now you are alive. Was lost but now you are found. Was blind but now you see. Once were going to hell by the grace of God. Jesus died for you. And his own has made it your portion never to go to hell but have you who believe in God and believe in Jesus where are you standing in this world who are you standing with who are you identifying with where are you walking where are your feet taking you There was no doubt concerning him. Don't let there be any doubt concerning you. You be strengthened in Jesus' name by the same Holy Spirit that strengthened this man. You be healed and you made whole. Whatever the area of weakness May the spirits of God now work in your life and in your situation. And may God do in you and for you that which only he can do in Christ Jesus. And may the faith that he's put inside of you now be released in the name of Jesus. And may you experience your breakthrough, your miracle, your situation. May it turn around. For the glory of God. May your weakness give way to strength. May God who manifests his strength in weakness. Manifest his strength in your struggles. In your weakness. And he who strengthened this man. Strengthen you. In Jesus name. May you who have received strength from him become the instrument and the channels by which he will strengthen others. Pray. Because prayer is what links heaven with earth and earth with heaven. Pray because prayer is the greatest demonstration of humility and God gives grace to the humble. Pray because prayer makes you sensitive to God's spirit. Prayer builds your faith. Prayer calms your fears. Pray because when you pray, there's a God who answers. Speak life, not death to yourself. Speak life, not death to others. Speak life, not death to your circumstances. Speak life because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hallelujah! And then use whatever natural gifts and abilities God has blessed you with. Not just for yourself, but for His glory. And to be an instrument of transformative grace for others. So be it. And everybody in the agreement says,
Make sure everyone knows where you stand in regards to Christ. Make sure everyone knows who you identify with. Make sure that now you can walk, that your ability to walk is taking you closer and closer to Him in Jesus' name. Now, if you're watching online or you're here, when I ask every head to be bowed, we just want to make it easier for folks. I am more and more conscious of my responsibility to give you an opportunity to be saved. Jesus died and paid the price so that no man or woman will go to hell. But no matter what the will of God is, if you don't open your mouth Confess your need. Confess your faith in what Christ did for you. Salvation, though yours, will never become yours. No one under the sound of my voice needs to die and go to hell because salvation is already paid for and provided. But you've got to humble yourself and acknowledge that you need this Savior and place your faith in his death for you. Repent of a life of sin and ask him to save you, not just from hell, but from sin itself. If you're willing to humble yourself in that manner, Christ is ready to receive you into his kingdom and become your Lord and your Savior. That's how you receive eternal life. So while your heads are bowed, if you can limit the movement right now, we appreciate it. And if you're watching online, if you have not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Say, Bishop, I want you to pray with me. I see one hand. Somebody else. I want to receive Jesus right now. There's another. There's another. In the mighty name of Jesus, I want to receive Jesus right now. Now, if you're watching online, you can pray with us right where you are, in your living room, in your bedroom, in the kitchen, doesn't matter. Right now, if you would stop what you're doing, put your mind on Christ and pray this prayer from your heart. I'm telling you, your sins are about to be totally wiped away and Christ is about to come into your life and bring you into his kingdom and give you eternal life. So right now, those who raise their hand and those who are watching online, I'm gonna ask the entire church to pray with them but you who know that you need to be saved, you're not sure of your salvation, pray this from your heart because Christ will answer. Church, please pray with them. Say, Father God, I am a sinner. I've sinned and I cannot save myself. I'm condemned and I cannot deliver myself. But I believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world paid the price for my sins that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead is Savior and Lord Lord Jesus I cannot save myself but you can save me now I bow to you I repent of my sins and I declare now from this day you are my Savior. You are my Lord. I surrender to you. Thank you for saving my soul. 
for forgiving my sins, for coming into my life to live forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you're in the building right after the service, I want you to come. I will be up here. Listen to me now. Those of you who prayed that prayer, you're here. I will wait for you. Please come up here. I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you some more. I want to give you some more information. Please. If you say, Bishop, I am saved. I know I'm saved, but really I have been living a life that I know doesn't glorify God. And the Spirit of God has dealt with my heart. And I want to make a change. And I need prayer. I want you to come as well because we're going to pray with you too. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Those of you who watch online, please communicate with us via the numbers that I provided. We want to help you as well. Now, were you glad you came today to church? Just a few of you. Did the worship bless you? Did the word bless you? Now, how come you came you didn't invite anybody? Why did you come and all week you didn't tell anybody about this? Because I told you last week I'd be preaching on this. You knew, if, and many of you were blessed last week, so you came expecting to be blessed, right? Were you blessed? Now, why did you go the whole week and you didn't invite anybody? You didn't tell anybody about the Lord, didn't tell anybody about your church. Why? Why are you quiet about something so good? I told you when this man stood, everybody knew where he stood. Everybody saw it. They were amazed. He didn't hide his testimony. Some of you, God has blessed you, you won't tell us. You're keeping a secret. I don't know why. But man, when God blesses you, share it. When God does something for you and he's doing things for us, share it. Do you understand? They will never know unless you talk about Jesus and talk about what Christ is doing in your church. Don't let this week go by. Invite someone. Bring them, the saved, the unsaved, the backslider. Let Jesus minister to them in this place. In Jesus' name. Okay, let me say this. Say Peter and John. Not Peter, not John. Peter and John. God is not looking for lone rangers. God does his best work when God's people work together. God does his best work when God's people walk together. God does his best work when God's people go into the temple to worship together. God does his best work when God's people partner with one another in doing his work on the earth. At Harvest, we walk together, we work together, we partner together. In Jesus' name, amen. So I did my part today. Your part this week is to talk about what you heard. Many of you need to go to Facebook and you need to share. You need to go to the church's website. The easiest thing you can do is, you know, some of you, not, not, not many, I wish all of you did, but some of you watch and you say, liked, but you don't share. You say you're being selfish. Share what Christ has done with others, amen? I'm being serious though, we need to do more to get the word out about Jesus and about what Jesus is doing here at Harvest. Amen. Let's spread the news. Let's publish it for the glory of God. Amen. And everybody said.